So why is baptism important? Why do we practice it? Um, for those of you that are members here and we're here for the faith and practice, we went over, I looked at baptism a little bit when looking at the different ordinances that the church practices. But there's also a lot of misconceptions, false teachings have been. Um, as we know, starting out in the early church history, um, very quickly, um, things went off the rails, you could say, when it comes to baptism. Um, I don't have the exact year, or I don't know if we know the exact year, when they started baptizing infants. But I did look into some other things, and we'll look at this this morning too, but we need to be careful that we don't lose the practice or the emphasis on baptism, but we also don't put our whole faith in it, that it's, if we haven't been baptized and we're a new Christian, we should be careful about just thinking that we're not saved until we are baptized. There are verses that give us that idea. I'm going to look at that first. John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So does baptism save us. I would say that it's very important. This is Jesus' words saying that we should be baptized, not just of water, but of the Spirit. Um... But we also have the story of the thief on the cross. And so we need to balance those two together. What if someone, moments before their death, come to Christ? They have no opportunity for baptism. Are they lost? I don't believe so because Jesus said in Luke 23, we're not going to take time to read it this morning, but he said, today you will be with me in paradise. His faith Alone, And we don't even see that the thief repented, per se, repented of all his sins. But we see that he believed. And we're going to look at some of those different things that go along with baptism, that without the water, just purely a water baptism, without the baptism of the Spirit, I believe we are, we are going to struggle in our Christian life. One of the stories I remember reading, I don't remember if it was in school or just the fact that I enjoy history, but during the Dark Ages, the Catholics would baptize people who were not part of the Catholic faith yet, and they would even baptize armies to go and fight for the Catholic Church. And Charlemagne is credited with this. I think he probably wasn't the only one. But he would tell his soldiers, and they believed in immersion, he would tell his soldiers, when you're being baptized, keep your sword hand out of the water. Because you still, they still wanted that hand to be able to kill and fight for him. But make the rest of your body sanctified, right? Saved. And it may seem humorous, but yet I believe there are people today who try to do the same thing. They try to have 
Christ in 75% of their life or in 75% of the things that they struggle and they want victory, but there's a little bit that they want to hold on to that they want to allow to remain carnal. And yet, when we come to Christ, when we come to baptism, we are either all in or not in. It's all or the other, spiritually speaking. But I believe, as, as we go through the baptism, remember the water today does not wash away your sins. It's the working of God and in this, of his spirit in you. If, as we talk about too, this is a huge subject too, and I don't want to get way into it, but we recognize that Christianity is not a works-based religion, and yet we believe that baptism is a good thing to do. And so isn't that a work? So we need to remember that once again, as we go through baptism today, it's not about doing our works, checking the box off, that now we've gotten that done, we can move on to the next thing, and it's more, it's showing to God and to the world around us that we are obedient and that we want to follow the example of Christ. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. Like I said, it cha- the, the scriptures talk about the importance of baptism, but it does not in and of itself save us. It's not a if you got baptized, but you did nothing else, you're going to heaven. It's just one of the things that we do in our process of being obedient to Christ after we have been saved. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. It says it saves us. Let's listen carefully here. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The act itself, having water put on you or immersion, whichever mode you practice. I, there's a number of visitors here, so I'm going to cover it all, but it, it does not in of itself save, but shows a good conscience that that's what you want to be have happening inside of you. You want the Spirit of God to take away, to wash you, to cleanse you. 1 John 1 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. There are people today that say, All you need is the blood of Jesus. That's all you need. Get baptized, and the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. And there's some truth to that, 
But it's not the only thing as we look at today. There are three important parts that go along with baptism that I want to dive into. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Before any of you pick up stones to stone me for heresy, just because I say that the blood of Jesus alone is not sufficient, just as the Old Testament believers, we know they needed their blood, their sins covered by the blood of the Lamb, we need our sins covered by the blood of Jesus. That is true, but there's more to it. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 25. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. We can't just be baptized of water and ignore the word of God. They need to work together to bring about a true cleansing, a true change in our life. But I'd also believe that if you said, well, I don't need water baptism because I need the spirit baptism. But yet, over and over through Scripture, we see the two go hand in hand. One shows the outward example or outward analogy of what's happening on the inside. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that kindness... And love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared. Now, it sounds like I'm stopping in the middle, but I just wanted to say, it's speaking of when Christ came. We were lost. We were living in sin. We were struggling. And yes, this is speaking of a time before Christ, but all of us, at some point, were, falling, were, were away from Christ whether as children, before we had a true understanding of who he was. But Jesus came, and he showed love. And so we'll pick up at verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And now we hear the reverse, that there are works that do follow. We don't earn our salvation. Jesus did that. He paid that price. But there are things that follow. 
one of those things being water baptism. But it is important to remember that it doesn't just end there. Just as those soldiers who I believe were not truly repentant if they planned on going to war after their baptism. It didn't matter if they were baptized by water, if they did not allow the Spirit to baptize them and to change them internally. It's not just, I mentioned earlier, part of the process of having a Spirit baptism is through the reading, listening to God's Word. But also, we need the, we need the renewing. In verse 5, we need the renewing of the Holy Ghost. We know that Jehovah's Witnesses go around witnessing, handing out books to earn value, earn credit to go to heaven. We don't believe that. We don't believe that just as the youth are going to go in a few weeks and go rake leaves for the elderly in our church, even though that is good things, that does not go towards our salvation with God. But it's because of what God did for us, because He showed love to us, we want to, in turn, show love to others around us to reflect that love. The Bible is clear. I don't have time to go into it, but the Bible is clear that we cannot earn our salvation. There's not enough money in the world to earn the salvation of even one person. The price was too high. But we do good things. We live in obedience because of the love shown to us by God. 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We do it because of His love. The same is for baptism. We don't do it to earn our salvation, but we do it in obedience and because of our love for God. Now I would like to look at three things. I'll try to do it quickly here. But three things that need to come along with water baptism. And if these three things were not all present when you were baptized in your own life, I don't necessarily believe that you have to go back now and be rebaptized. But if today you don't feel like you have a relationship with God, listen to these three things and see if all three have been present at your, in your life since your baptism, even if they weren't all present when you were baptized. But turn with me to Acts chapter 8. They're all in Acts now. The, the three different prerequisites or things that go along with water baptism and also receiving the spirit baptism in our lives. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. What requirement do we see here? There must be faith. There must be belief. And it's one, one of the numerous reasons why 
infant baptism or baptism of little children who are not capable of knowing, understanding God enough to know and believe. That doesn't mean our belief and our faith doesn't grow after we've been baptized, even as a teenager. Or maybe you were baptized at a younger age. Our belief and our faith and our understanding will grow. But if we can't have, if we can't even understand who God is, then there is no point to baptism. The second one is in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The second one is repentance. I believe that baptism that comes before repentance is an empty process. It's just going through the motions. It adds no value to the believer or his walk with God. Now, it may or may, there may be a time of repentance later in your life that comes after your baptism. But there should also be repentance before your first baptism. Now for the third one, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read the verses 1 through 18. This is the story of Paul when he was still Saul. Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered the Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy, saint, thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name. And Ananias went and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, hath appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest. 
hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it would have been scales, and received sight forthwith and rose and was baptized. What do we know of Saul from this day forward? Was he the same man that he was a week before? It's not that I don't think that everything changed overnight. But he was converted. There was a conversion. There was a change in his life. And that is important. There must be a change in our life. Otherwise, our baptism is, is just a process, just a thing to go through. So what is the difference between these three things? Why, are, why is each one important? You may say, well, repentance requires belief. And it does. Conversion requires repentance, belief, and faith. But it must start with belief. I was trying to think of an illustration to use this morning when thinking about belief. There are a lot of things we believe. Some of them don't make a lot of difference to us. Some of them, if we find out what we believed was wrong, doesn't really change our daily life. But I had to think of one that um, you may have remembered the man, um, Mike Hughes, who believed that the earth was flat. Now, what difference does it really make in your life from day to day to whether you believe the earth is flat or if you believe it's round? Not much until you decide to take a plane somewhere. You're planning on flying, let's say, halfway across, halfway around the world. Now, I show my belief that I believe the earth is round. But halfway across the earth, if you thought the earth was flat, would you stop and make sure the plane was going in the right direction before you got on it? Most likely, if you thought the earth was flat. Because if it's flat and you're trying to get to Australia, what if Australia is east instead of west? You might end up in outer space. So what we believe matters, and it will it'll determine some of our actions. And that is true when it comes to our belief in God and why we go through baptism. I'm just going to give a little more of the story. I think a lot of us remember, but he actually died this February of 2020 trying to reach 5,000 feet in a rocket to prove the earth was flat. What's sad is those of you who have flown in jets have been a lot higher than thirty thousand or a lot higher than five thousand feet. And still can you prove that the earth is flat around by being at thirty thousand feet? It's kind of hard. We have to take that in faith. Now there's a whole lot of things that we could look at today that I could say if you looked at this and figured it all out, I could prove to you without going into space that the earth is round. But when uh, Dwayne's, the, the highest I've ever flown, I just wanted to give that real quick. The highest I've ever flown is when a number of us from here went to Israel. When we left Chicago and flew to Austria, 
We actually flew up over eastern Canada, almost touched Greenland. And at one point, they showed you your altimeter, what the reading of how high the jet was. And we, at one point, we were at 39,000-some feet. And it was different than being at 30,000 feet when you usually, when you fly from here to Florida, from here to the East Coast, you don't get this high. But it did seem like the colors changed of the sky and the exhaust of the jet changed. It was different being that much higher, but I still could not, just by looking out the window, prove whether things, the earth was flat around. But if my belief was that it was flat, it would change my faith in taking a flight somewhere. It would change my faith if I was going on a ship on a long journey if I believed differently than I do. So our belief is crucial to what actions we are willing to take. What about repentance? What difference does that make? And I believe this one is very crucial. I believe there are people today who claim to be a Christian who have never truly repented. Never truly acknowledged that they had sinned, that they were unable to remove themselves and needed a Savior. They feel they can do a pretty good job. But I believe at some point you will be able to see it in their life. Either by arrogance, self-centeredness, or even the inability to say that they have made a mistake. I'm sure we all know someone like that. And what does that show? I believe it shows a lack of repentance, a lack of acknowledging that we have done something wrong and that we are in need of God's help. And water baptism, without that, I believe will never lead to a spirit baptism in our heart. Last of all, I want to look at more closely is conversion. If we have faith, belief, repentance, but our lives are not changed, are we, are we truly living the Spirit-filled life? We use this, I want to go back to the story of Paul. If Paul had re- believed in Christ, we know he did there on the road to Damascus, And he repented of his sins. But yet he just went right back to his old activities. That faith, that belief, and that repentance would have been empty and meaningless. But we know Paul was converted. His life changed. To signify that, even his name changed. To say he was no longer... Saul, who persecuted Christians, he was Paul who was willing to become one of those people that were persecuted. He went from killing Christians to being willing to give his own life for Christ and for other believers. Our conversion story may not be as drastic as that, but there still should be a change that others are able to witness 
that something is different about us than before. If we were converted at a young age, it might not look as different. But when you have someone who is an adult that comes to Christ and they are truly converted, you can tell a difference. And we should be able to see the same in those that are converted. And so we need all three of these things today. If one or two are missing and you were baptized in the past and you feel like something is missing, please come to Terrell or I or one of the other ministers, one of the others in the ministry and let us know. We can help you work through that and see what is missing. But for baptism, water baptism, to lead to spirit baptism, we need all three of these things in our life. And I'm grateful that the young men, Reagan and Philip, have been willing to go through, go come to this point today of water baptism and to show the world, to show Satan that they're taking a stand and wanting to be obedient to Christ. God bless you.